opportunity we have on a day like this to celebrate what it is that moms have done in our lives, the wives that we have, the incredible blessing that God has given us and those who have invested in us or investing in the next generation, the children that God has blessed us with. I know that there are some who couldn't be a mom, would love to be a mom, have never been a mom. And I know how hard days like this are. We just want to celebrate with those who are, who know that God has blessed them, even though sometimes they don't always feel it, and know the struggles that sometimes you feel, that sometimes you're alone. I'd love to do something a little bit different this morning. We've never done this before that I know of. If you're a single mom here this morning, a single mom here this morning, and you want to know that your church is behind you and praying for you, I'd love for you to come up and stand beside me here for a moment. If you're a single mom, if you have your one with you, that God has blessed you with. I don't want you to be embarrassed. We just want to stand with you and pray for you and know that regardless of the circumstances, your church is behind you and we're praying for you. Any single moms that would love to take that risk this morning and come on up. All right. All right. All right, come on, Kel. Hey, Deb. Got another one. I don't know if you noticed that in that clip, but obviously one of those was a single mom. It just wants to know that not only does her daughter or son recognize that, but other people recognize it as well. And so we want to pray over you. We got Don, Linda, Linda Debbie, Kelly, Carol, Carol Nancy. Nancy. Father, we thank you for the grace that you have given us and for the gift of our moms. The ladies in our lives, for all of us at one point or the other, have made an enormous impact. And so I lift up these moms to you this morning who feel like they're really alone at times and trying to walk through the process of impacting the next generation, who are doing it alone and with your help and with your guidance. So I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that you will so empower and anoint them that they may feel that they're not alone at all. But today, have a God who loves them and cares about them, who's walking with them through this journey. I pray, Father, that they understand that a church is loving them and caring for them and behind them and there for them if we can. So give us wisdom and insight. Help us to look with discernment and see how we can best encourage and uplift and love and make them feel special. So today on this Mother's Day, I pray, O oh God, in Jesus' name, that you will bless these ladies and those who maybe couldn't stand or didn't feel like they could, and obviously a lot in our second service as well, with your amazing grace and the opportunity they have to feel loved and encouraged and supported. Maybe they didn't get a card or won't have a special meal today, but I pray that today is an amazing day and they understand their incredible value in your sight and the wisdom that you're going to give them as they walk through this journey. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for your courage this morning. I know you recognize that, but there are some single dads as well and didn't acknowledge them this morning and we'll talk about that a little bit on Father's Day, but there are some that are trying to do all of this on their own and sometimes we find ourselves kind of not even noticing or recognizing. We may see them come in and think, well, mom's working or dad's working today and, and they're not here. But I, I just want us to continue to walk through life with eyes wide open 
and see and recognize how we can encourage and love and support and strengthen those who sometimes feel like they're walking through this journey by themselves. And it's not just single moms, it's single dads. It's grandparents who are raising grandchildren now in a lot of different generations. You know that as well as I do. There are a lot of family contacts. You've got to sit in my chair every once in a while to understand the pain I hear on a regular basis. There's a lot of, of, of grandparents who are raising grandchildren on their own or trying to give support and love and encouragement to some that are walking through really deep valleys. So just want us to walk through eyes wide open in life and be able to recognize how we can support and love and encourage. Our grandkids came in a few weeks ago and uh, spent a day and a half, actually uh, 18 hours, 47 minutes and 13 seconds. <laughs> and, and literally, when they leave, at, at my age especially, but at any age, but literally when they leave, you can hear the house go, You know that picture, Joe just did a phenomenal job a couple of weeks ago, but you know that picture that he showed on the screen before and after? You know, I walked into the living room on a regular basis, and it's just me and Con at home, and the place is immaculate, and everything is perfect. And I came back from an event that particular day, right before they left, and I literally couldn't find any square inch of the living room floor that didn't have something on it. And I went, how does this happen in 18 hours, 47 minutes, and 13 seconds? So some of you who are raising grandchildren, God bless you. No wonder we do it when we're young to try to have that kind of strength and encouragement. Got sermon notes in your bulletin this morning. It's kind of a rarity, and I encourage you to take them out as we walk through our journey together. A lot of other inserts that are in there, so make sure you read those carefully. Need a lot of help for the summer. One of the greatest, largest outreach events we have. We got about a half a dozen through the year, it, but one of them is our Vacation Bible School. Need a lot of help for that, for summer ministries. There's a lot of our folks who teach nine months of the year nonstop. Some of them don't even get into both services or one of the services. And so if you can give them a break so that they can come for the summer and you can help, you can bless them like they have blessed you because you're here on a regular basis and they're serving all the way through the year from September to May. And boy, in the summer, it'd be great for them to have a break. So if you can help out with that so that they can come in and enjoy what you've enjoyed, that would be awesome. So that's what all those inserts are for as you walk through it. I don't know if you've ever read Scott Peck's book, The Psychiatrist, A Road Less Traveled, but it's a really good read. I don't read a ton of books. I, I, I sometimes spend so much time in preparation and reading material online and all this with that. But there are a lot of good books that have come up through the years. And this is one of those that are really a, a great read. It talks about the fact that life is hard and challenging. And you're saying, no kidding, I know that. Key to success in achieving what you want is discipline. Four basic principles, and they're laid out in your sermon notes this morning. Delayed gratification. I don't have to have everything now. I can walk slowly through the process. I don't have to have what my, my generation was really bad at wanting to have what the previous generation had in half the time. You know what I mean? The previous generation spent a lot of time and effort and worked really hard to accumulate all the things that God has blessed them with. And somehow my generation and the one after them kind of want to have everything before the 35 when it took them to 65 to be able to accomplish all of that. Delayed gratification, accepting responsibility, one of the most unusual things that are a lack thereof in a society we're living in. Dedication to reality, <laughs> that life is not a romance novel or a soap opera. Thank God for that. 
but just a, an understanding that life is real and I've got to see it from that vantage point. And life won't always be a romance novel and he won't always wake me up on a Mother's Day with candy and flowers and breakfast in bed. I'm lucky to wake up in that context and the process and, and balance, real solid balance. Your kids don't have to be in everything to be successful, but just that balance of life. Contents and rewards in spiritual life are enormous. Peace of mind, freedom from worry, burdens shared and lifted. But many resist it in your sermon notes because it's hard work. Contends that love is not something effortless and mysterious. It's a decision that takes effort. And sadly, because no one wants to put the effort into it, many fail at it. The greatest examples of all are moms. Now, this morning, we're going to continue on our journey in the book of Acts. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20. Going to spend a lot of time in Acts 20 this morning. We're going to share some of Paul's final words. I said last Sunday morning at the end of the message, we're going to talk about his thoughts, his final words, but try to put them within the context of moms and parents as well. So when you look at what Paul is saying, I'd love for you to take it within mindset or lay your mind over it and recognize these not only apply to Paul as he's saying it to them, but it can apply to us as a mom, dad, a leader, a business owner, a parent, somebody who hears all of this will only put it in Paul's context, but I'd love for you this morning to see it from that vantage point as well so that you understand it. We are, over the next couple of weeks, going to wrap up Acts. And there's a lot of great things that Paul has taught us along the way. And his final words, every mom wants to have what? Last word. These last words of Paul are really powerful. And I want to share them with you this morning. He's on a journey for a couple of reasons. One, to collect an offering. First, first Corinthians 16, now concerning the offering. And he shares that. One of the things churches are criticized for is we talk too much about money. The One of the things that I'm criticized for here is that we don't talk enough about it. We don't, we don't spend a lot of time. Paul wrote four or five chapters on it. So there's a lot to say. He's also going to say goodbye to a group of friends. And, and I want you to see it from that context, but I want you to back up and up to see it. This group at Ephesus that he's going to talk to in this moment as we read Acts 20 beginning of verse 13. He, he wanted to come and see them. You'll see that in this and then kind of bypass because he was on a mission to get to Jerusalem. And then he realized how valuable and precious they were. So he calls them to himself, the group at Ephesus, and has some conversations. Verse 13 of chapter 20 in the book of Acts. We went on ahead to the ship to sail for Assos where we were going to take Paul aboard. We is Luke. He's the author of this. He's writing this. Same guy who wrote the book of Luke. He had made this arrangement because he was going to go there on foot. When he met us at Assos, he, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. Next day, we set sail from there and arrived at Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos and the following day to Miltus. Paul decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miltus, he sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, now listen to these words. Mom, this is what a lot of you say. You know how I lived the whole time that I was with you from the first day that I came to the providence of Asia. I served God with great humility and with tears. 
in the midst of severe testing and the plots of many Jewish opponents. You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared both to the Jews and the Greeks that they have to turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Moms, when you look at that little section of Scripture, can you identify with any of it? You've worked really hard. You've served the Lord with humility. Nobody gives you the accolades that you certainly deserve. Certainly no one pays you what you deserve. You've done it with tears in the midst of difficulty sometimes and not everybody understanding it. You've made a decision to not hold back but to share what you know about Christ. You know that sometimes not everyone understands but you know you're doing the right thing and you want to make sure that in all of that you finish well. And Paul seems to say that in this particular context. What first stood out to me is that one of the things that maybe you already know is that Paul, all of a sudden, in a moment of time, realized that relationships are more important than schedules. That relationships are more important than schedules. Wait, man, maybe, maybe none of you guys are like me, and you're sitting there saying, thank you, Jesus, for that gift from heaven. But I am pretty mission-directed. I, I have a mission to accomplish, and I'm going to get there no matter what the cost. And Paul said, I want to go to Jerusalem. That's my goal. That's where he wants to go. And so he gets there or tries to get there as fast as he can. And then all of a sudden realizes that maybe it's not quite as important to accomplish this task as it is to share in some deep, intimate relationships. And, and so often, and, and as soon as I saw that, I went, oh, man, that is me. Just get to the mission. What are we here for? What are we here to accomplish? How much can we get it done? We went away a couple of weeks ago. I said it to you last Sunday morning so that we could relax and unwind for a couple of days. I'm up at 7.30, already gotten breakfast, waiting outside the door with the breakfast for my wife, with the plans of the day that we're going to accomplish on our day off for crying out loud. All the places we wanted to go, all the things we wanted to do, and she's still in a coma. Because morning's not her thing. She said, if God wanted me to see the sunrise, he'd have made it later in the day. <laughs> so I'm in no hurry to see it. I love it. I love the sunrise and the sunset. And it's one of those things. And, 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 and all of a sudden, when I read that section of scripture, I wanted to get to Jerusalem, so I hurried up as fast as I could. I got on the boat. I wanted to go there by foot, but I got on the boat so I get there. And all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. There's some really good things that I needed to say to some people, especially the church at Ephesus. So he sent for them and brought them in. Sometimes a lot of things can get in the way of the relationships that we need to have. A, a long to-do list, schedules, busyness, even being right. Did you know that getting your way sometimes can get in the way of deep, intimate relationships? Did you know that? I mean, that's maybe a surprise to some of you. But sometimes getting your way can get in the way. These are also Paul's last words to this group, and they are really valuable. Last words are meaningful. That's why we need to be really careful, because we never know when we're going to get them. If I knew it would be the last time, I'd spare an extra minute to stop and say I love you instead of assuming you know. 
If I knew it'd be the last time, I'd be there to share your day. Well, I'm sure there's so many more so I can let this one slip away. For surely there's always tomorrow to make up for an oversight. We'll always get a second chance to make everything just right. Always be another day to say I love you and certainly there's another chance to say anything I can do. But just in case I may be wrong, and today is all I get. I'd like to say how much I love you and hope you never forget. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone, young or old alike, and today may be the last chance to hold your loved one tight. So if you're waiting for tomorrow, why not do it today? For if tomorrow never comes, you'll surely regret the day. Take time to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, it's okay. And if tomorrow never comes, you'll have no regrets about today. Connie and I this week had a rare gift. One of the things that are a little bit difficult in ministry is that you spend your life in a particular community with a group of people that you pour your life and love into, and then you move to the next one. And I've been blessed. Connie and I are really blessed in that we've been in four great churches, counting this one. But every so often in one of those contexts, and you find out in your life when you transfer from one company to another or one business or one community to another, you have that one or two kind of people that stand out in your life that made a significant impact. And one particular one, just one of the most amazing conversion transformations I've ever seen in all of my life. And we had gotten word that she had pancreatic cancer. And if you know anything about pancreatic cancer, it's pretty severe and takes you pretty fast. Same age as we are. And somebody wrote the other day out of the blue and said, hey, I just want you to know that she's not doing well. And they've called the family in. I said, do you know how to get a hold of them? She sent me her husband's cell phone number, and I called, and he answered. He said, you want to talk to her? I said, it'd be awesome. He said, she may mumble, she may ramble, but here's the phone. And I understood every single word with clarity and confidence. And Connie was able to do the same. We were in separate places and called and did the same thing. We're able to say how much we loved her, how much we appreciated her, the impact she's had on my life, the impact she's had on our lives, the value of that. And I, was, I hung up. Obviously, I'm, I'm just sitting in my chair. Somebody walked in, thought I had died. But I'm sitting in my chair, leaning back, saying, God, I never, ever believed that I would have gotten that last moment gift before she passed away. Now, it doesn't mean you live waiting for the shoe to drop, or you live saying, this, this really could be the last day. I better make sure I do this, this, and that's, I'm not meaning to live like that at all. But I am saying life is really valuable, very, very precious. And when we live it with that in mind, we'll take better advantage of some circumstances we have and make sure that we live with confidence that we don't have regrets. I have very few in life. I've got some, certainly. But trying to understand the brevity and the beauty of life, my case obviously is different than many of you because I do have this rare gift that God gives me every so often where I'm able to be with someone near the end of life and tell them how much I love them and appreciated them and those kind of things that and, I, and, I, and again, I'm not saying all that so you live life waiting for something to happen and not dealing with the obvious in some cases because sometimes that's what keeps us from being really honest. And, uh, but life is really valuable. Words are extremely important. Sometimes they're life-changing in your notes. Sometimes they're devastating. I love the verse in Proverbs 18.21 that says the tongue 
has the power to bring life or to bring death. The tongue has the power to give life or bring death. And so we need to make sure that we choose them well and wisely. And these last words of Paul are articulated so incredibly well. I know you know that, but you, you've been in environments where the tongue, where James spends one whole chapter almost is talking about the power of the tongue, the, the, most pow- the smallest instrument in the human body almost, and the, one of those smallest instruments in humanity, but the power that it has. And being able to share love and encouragement or that, you know, you keep that up and you're going to end up in jail is heard by most of the people who have ended up in jail. As opposed to saying, I believe in you, I encourage you, I want to love you, I want to walk you through the process. Saying love you can almost be routine, but if you're not sure when they're ever going to hear it again, it does take on a whole new meaning. In Matthew 12, and I have it there in your sermon notes, for the mouth speaks what, is the, heart, what the heart is full of. Jesus is being really honest. Look, what comes out is what's inside. I don't care what you tell me. I don't know where that came from. Sure you do. And so do most of the people around. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, let me, let me be really honest. It's, it was in there. It was in your heart. Good man brings good things out of that which is stored up in him. And evil brings evil things out of that which is stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for empty words that have been spoken. For your words... Or by your words, you'll be acquitted. Or by your words, you'll be condemned. Second major element in this particular context of Scripture is that Paul is giving them a challenge. He's trying to help them and us in this context, leaders of the, one of the early churches, but I think it can relate to leading a family or leading in a business. In this particular context, Paul reminds them that there are a lot of ups and downs in life. A lot of joys and sorrow. You know that as parents. Verse 19, he said, but I want you to be a servant in that context. I don't want you to be proud. I don't want you to be arrogant. In leadership, I don't want people to put you on a pedestal. Remember, 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 we are servants and always remember who we served. And one of the most visible, wonderful examples, if you write it in your sermon notes, you'll never forget it, is John 13. Right when Jesus is about to die and give his life for all of humanity, he washes the feet, and John's the only one who remembers it and records it of his disciples. I'll, I'll be honest with you, in the midst of, if I knew exactly what was going to take place in the next two or three days of my life, and I knew it was that, when you look at the New Testament, probably one of the last things I would have thought to do was wash the feet of my disciples. But Jesus gives the most incredible example of leadership I've ever seen when he says leadership is servanthood. I was in a, a, a conversation a few weeks ago and we were talking about the different views of marriage relationships and what I've seen growing up and what the generation before me saw, I saw growing up and, and how I view scripture and all that and one individual said, well, I know what you believe, that you're to be the servant in a relationship. I've heard you say that in weddings. It was almost as if it was derogatory in a sense. And, and I said, all I'm doing is I'm saying what Jesus did and modeling, trying to what Jesus did because Paul said, husbands, love your wives as life Christ loved the church. Well, how did he love the church? He served it. And now for 2,000 years, he's been doing that. 
That's not my view. It's just simply that's what he said we're to be. Remember that we're servants. Remember who we serve. Verse 19, he also said, keep your heart humble. I've served with many tears. Keep your heart humble. Keep it tender. There are a lot of things in life, parenting, ministries, (laughs) leadership, organizations that can make it really hard. I have friends, a lot of friends who are police officers, and they see the worst of humanity all the time. And I know one of the things they have to guard is not being hard about life. And you who are in the middle of a lot of ups and downs and, and some of the difficulty you face, uh, Paul just says, look, I, I know how tough it is. I know how hard it is. But if there's anything that I could encourage you to do, not only be a servant, just keep your heart tender. Old Testament says, guard your heart. Because Jesus said, out of the heart, things are going to come. So guard that with everything you have. Trials are going to come. Life's going to get tough. Verse 20, he said, don't shrink back. You know, I didn't hesitate. I told you the truth. I was honest about that. I did it publicly and I did it privately. But in the middle of all of that, I encourage you to stay humble and tender. To keep maintain that balance is going to require the breath of God to control and consume my life, to keep me humble, to keep me real, to keep the tenderness real, to remind me of who I serve, to deal with the trials of life, and to still stand firm. You want to be great at what you do? Aspire to servanthood. You want to be great at what you do? Aspire to humility. You want to be really great at what you do? Aspire to tenderness. My, <clears throat> said we were, I forget the context. Somebody said it the other day. I love the guys in, in, in whatever field, but specifically in football, when they really do an amazing catch. I mean, one of the most spectacular catches you've ever seen in the end zone. And the guy takes the ball and hands it to the ref. He goes back to the huddle. As opposed to this crazy, insane demonstration and showmanship and all the go- I'm not even going to demonstrate it because I don't know how. <laughs> You wouldn't even want me to, trust me. I still remember Bill Opperman saying, guys at our age should not dance. (laughs) You're right. You want to aspire to greatness? Aspire to servanthood. Aspire to humility. Aspire to tenderness. Tears reveal passion. They reveal, and Paul's saying that, they reveal something you deeply care about. They can be phony. They can manipulate, obviously. That's why they need to be controlled by God's spirit, but they can express sorrow and joy and the depth of our relationship with God. It allows us the opportunity to feel people's pain and express that and share that. They're not a sign of weakness. They're a sign that you care and that you really understand what they're going through. Let me continue to read the chapter. I'm going to pick up, same chapter, verse 25. Thank you, Melissa. Same chapter, verse 25. And I want you to, again, see, <clears throat> rode to Harley yesterday. I think I swallowed some bugs. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> chapter 20, verse 25. He paints this word picture of his life. Now, imagine this portrait that Paul says, when you look at my life, at the end of my life, I, I, I recognize this and I want you to see some of these things as well. And I want you to see it and hear it also as a mom. Now, I know that none of you, 
among you that I've gone about preaching the kingdom of God will ever see me again. And I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you. In other words, I've done my best. I really have. I've done my absolute best. Was I perfect? Of course not. But I've done my best. I didn't hesitate to claim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourself and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. As a mom, that's your responsibility as well. Be shepherds of them. Be shepherds of the church of God in this context, which he bought with his own blood. That's how valuable the church is to Jesus. So quit knocking it. I know that after I leave, savage wolves are going to come in among you and not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw some away. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Not coveted anyone's gold or silver or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remember the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than receive. When Paul finished speaking these words, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. In your sermon notes, you'll recognize that when Paul looked at his life, he understood his role of an accountant. He also understood that someday he will give an account. He was able to look at all of his assets and liabilities and, and in the middle of all of that, really knew what was most important. Knew that his relationship with Jesus was obviously the most important thing and he wasn't going to waste those resources. He was going to use them well. He was going to use them wisely, which made him an excellent steward. He determined to wisely use the things that God has entrusted into his care, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his time, his talents, his treasures. He just knew that life is so precious and valuable, and I know I'm going to give an account as to how I've lived and what I've done with God's entrusted into my care. If he's entrusted you with a lot or a little, it has nothing to do with the amount. It has everything to do with what I've done with what I've been given. How many people say, well, if I had a lot, I'd give a lot. Not necessarily. Wealth and generosity don't always go together in my years of experience. Sometimes it does. It has nothing to do with what I have. It's what I do with what I've been given. And Paul recognized that. And he understood that. He also understood his role as a watchman, a proclaimer and a teacher. And he understood his role as a watchman. Look, I want to keep guard. I want to do my best. And you moms are probably the best at that to try to warn them about some things. Hey, I love you enough to tell you that if you get down this road, this is what's going to happen. And you moms, probably a little bit more than us dads, are, are, are the watchmen of the family. You, you, you guard over them. You don't always sleep well. You're the one that's probably awake, not always, but you're the one that's most likely awake when they're not home when they're supposed to be and all of those kind of things. And understanding our role over those that God's entrusted into our care, whether you're leading a business or leading a small group or leading your family or a Sunday school class, whatever that may be, understanding that role of being able to watch over them and be aware of some of the challenges of life and encourage them and help them along the way. Great cross-reference there in Ezekiel. He also, in your sermon notes, really desired to finish well. Sadly enough, in what I think in recorded scripture, only one out of every three finished well. 
And Paul said, I want to be one of those that finishes. Whenever that may be, at 50 or 100, I want to make sure that I finish really well. We're called also to shepherd and to protect. In verses 31 to 35, Paul gives a challenge. And then he tells them what to avoid. One is carefulness. Be on your guard. Shallowness. I, I commit. I've done everything. I, I recognize and understand what I'm responsible to. And I've given my best. And he didn't want them to be shallow in any way. He comes to the Hebrews and said, okay, seriously? You've been believers for this long and you're not further along than where you are. And so he warned them against shallowness. He warned them against covetousness. In verse 33, I haven't coveted anyone's gold or silver. He warned them against greed. Verse 34, he warned them against laziness. These hands of mine supplied your own need. And he warned them against selfishness, doing it only for themselves. And that's why he says it's more blessed to give than receive. A lot of times when I do a funeral of, of a great mom or a woman of God, I will read Proverbs 31. And I say this, and many of them, a lot of people ask me, is there really a woman like that? A woman who cares about people, who's not only doing it for herself, but gives to those around you, who takes care of her family really well, who's well-known and respected, who gives her all in that particular context. And, and I say there are. I've been blessed with one in a mom and a wife who I know do those things, who really do what Proverbs 31 describes. And Paul, or uh, the Proverbs writer said, if you can find one like that, you've found something more valuable than gold. And so when you filled out that card today or, or uh, fill it out today or, or whatever you're going to do, you hopefully recognize how valuable this gift that God has given you and your wife, your spouse, uh, your mom, and I hope you understand how precious they are in God's sight. So lift them up and encourage them. When Paul finished praying, and, or finished speaking, he knelt down and prayed with them all. They all wept and embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was the fact that he had never seen them again. They accompanied him to the ship. In verse, 20, verse 1 of chapter 21, after they had torn themselves, ourselves away from them, we went on. So like Paul did, let me pray for you. Father, a lot of challenges in one simple verse, in, in, in one simple chapter. And so as we process this and, and we look at it and we look at our lives, I trust that God, you'll help us to process it well. To see it not as just Paul's words to somebody else, but what do you want to say to us? And so help us to read it carefully and quietly. Maybe tonight when we go to bed and everything is gone, the kids are gone and life is quiet. Help us to open this back up and kind of look at it again and just be reminded of who we are, who you are, what you've called us to do and to be. There's some moms here today that I got to believe would love a card and are going to get one. For whatever reason, there's been alienation and pain they may not even get a phone call. And, and so the pain of all the accolades and flowers and all the stuff that others have gotten is just more evident. And so I lift them up to you today. 
for a single dad who's trying to do all of this on his own. I thank you for the influence that my amazing mom has had on my life. One of the most incredible women I've ever seen on your planet. I'm delighted that I've had that kind of model. I'm so unbelievably delighted that my two girls, who are now moms, have the mom that has influenced their life. And so I lift up our families here to you this morning. They're under attack and really facing enormous challenges. And so God, keep our eyes on you in the midst of the challenges. Help us to see who you are, who you called us to be, and the joy of being in that position of whatever influence we may have on those who come behind us and walk with us. I thank you for our moms. I thank you for these ladies who sit here this morning. I lift up that one who would want to be, and for whatever reason in your sovereignty, has not been able to be. The pain of today sometimes is overwhelming, and for some of them, they can't even come. So would you love on them today and remind them of how valuable they are? Thank you for your love and grace and for your, the power of your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray.